TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. Welcome, everybody, to a Friday edition of Texans All Access. John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter here. The voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer there. Mark, good afternoon. How are you? Johnny, I am doing so well. It's hot, humid, wonderful summer. Can't wait for training camp. You know, the huge, the huge when we begin the show. I'm fired up to talk about some football. Yeah, we're going to talk about football here in uh, just a second. But, yeah, weather-wise, I'm driving home yesterday, and I look, and my my uh, temperature gauge says 105. One, zero, yeah. five. Yeah. The car, Seriously? The car thermometer is probably add a little bit, I hope. A little no? bit. No, maybe? A little, a little? bit. Okay. But then I checked my phone, and my phone said 103. Oh, that's and a that's, relief. Yeah, that, that, that made me feel good. Oh, but it's going to cool off next week. What, 98? 93, 94. Ooh, burr. But yours truly will be in Los Angeles. so I Oh, you'll have like I 74. I, it's ridiculous. Yeah, that'll yeah. be nice. My, my wife and my daughter, they know better, and so they don't say anything. But they're, they kind of just sly last night. My wife said, yeah, it's kind of a little, a little mini heat wave out there. And she's like, it's 87. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, for them. Stop it. Yeah, for them. Yeah, absolutely. But, Crazy. Oh, man. It's been unbelievably hot. But you guys stay safe out there, um, and hopefully you will do that. Roy Lopez and Danny Barrett are both going to join us in the next segment. So a little bit of coach, a little bit of player. Now, they didn't interview each other. DP City had a chance to catch up with both of them. And so we'll have Roy Lopez and Danny Barrett a little bit later in the show. But, Mark, I want to hit on something that you you wrote about, which I find fascinating because I've had this I've had this thought, and I had this thought, and it actually brings the Texans, fr- the early Texans, kind of back in view in some sense. Hmm. You were talking uh, in your article about the AFC South and what the AFC South has done, actually, since 2017, and that's get a couple teams in the playoffs. 17, it was Jags and Titans. 18, it was us and the Colts. 19, it was us and the Titans. 2020 was the Colts and the Titans. And last year was just the Titans, and they and the Titans ended up being the number one seed but just played like garbage at home and didn't make it to the AFC Championship game. Yet again, you had two that went to the AFC Championship, and 17, the Jags, and should have gone to the Super Bowl. In 2019, you had the Titans. They should not have. They lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. But here's what popped into my head. The name Mario Williams. Why did that pop into your head? Well, remember when, and I know, remember when, remember way back when, what team was the team to beat in the division? Indianapolis. They had to beat Indianapolis. Right. And so Mario Williams was drafted, I mean, because he was an athletic freak, but also because he would get after Peyton Manning who was the star quarterback for Indianapolis. You had to beat Indianapolis to win a division. You went out and you got Mario Williams. I ask this question because there's no Peyton Manning in this division anymore. Uh, His nephew will be just down the road in Austin, uh, but that's in a year or so. Arch Manning decided to go to Texas, which is interesting. But there's no Peyton Manning. There's no even Phillip Rivers uh, in this division quite anymore. But the thought was if you – can, to win the division, you got to go beat Indianapolis. And to do that, your pass rush had to be better. You had to go get Mario Williams. Which is the team to beat in the division this year, and how do you go about beating them? you got to stop the run. It's Tennessee with Derrick Henry. Right. Or it's even Indianapolis. Right. With Jonathan with, Taylor. Either with way, Jonathan right? Taylor. This is running back you, this division. It is. 
And that's what I wrote about, the rebrand of the AFC South. Right. Mm-hmm. And because of that, does it change the philosophy for how you build the team? In your estimation, does it change how you go about building your team? Because in your article, you talked about the running backs that have come through here and what they've done. It was Fournette with Jacksonville for a while. And then that transitioned into James Robinson, who is mm-hmm. there now. And if he's healthy, he's a handful. And they got Travis Etienne. The Colts, it was Marlon Mack, begat Jonathan Taylor. Right. And now Marlon Mack's with us. And then you've got Derrick Henry. And then Derrick Henry and Derrick Henry. And Derrick Henry even some more with Tennessee. So you've got six games of your 17 that you absolutely, without a doubt, have to stop the running game. And it's a traditional NFL running game, outside zone, wide zone. There's no RPOs for the most part. There might be a few things, not RPOs, but like uh, zone read. You get a little bit of that with with Tannehill, but you're not going to get much of that from uh, Matt Ryan. You might get a little bit of it from Trevor Lawrence, but they're fairly traditional run games. Not like facing Baltimore twice a year. But you get six games against those teams with dominant running games and dominant running backs. I go back to that thought of, and I know the team-building process for 2022 has taken place for the most part. And as I think about it, and I think back, and I don't know the, I don't know the answer to this. I'm asking legitimately, do you build the team to win this division? And if you, if you do that, then how do you go about doing it? Is there anything that the Texans didn't do to be able to handle the run any better than they have the last couple of years when there were times, quite frankly, Derrick Henry in 2020 went over 200 two games in a row. Last year, Jonathan Taylor got off a little bit in the two games. We didn't see Henry. The run defense was a little bit better last year than it was in 2020, not as good as it was back in 2019. But to win this division, A, do you have to build that defense to absolutely, without a question, stop the run? And B, if you've built the team that way – if you do happen to win a division, nobody else is really revolving their offense around the run game. So how difficult does that actually make kind of team building? The fact that if you want to win your division, you've got to stop the run. But then you get out of the division, you got to stop Josh Allen. you got to stop Mahomes. you got to stop right. Burrow. you got to stop all these daggum quarterbacks. And then if you got to face a run game in Baltimore, it's so different from anything that you've seen. It's kind of an odd spot in some sense. You call it running back you. It is. It's running back you. But I don't know. Does that help any of the teams in the division as they move forward? I think, look, you have to be good against the run. You can't only be good against the run, but you have to be good against the run. Because look at 2020, for instance, Johnny. The memory that strikes out to me besides COVID and all of that other stuff is Montgomery in Chicago, is Chubb in Cleveland, is Derrick Henry. It wasn't just the division. You were getting hammered against the run. And you were not doing a good job with it. They need to do a better job with it. And then look at this year. You're playing the NFC East, right? Well, what does Washington have? Yeah. Gibson. Tony right? Gibson, yep. Uh, the Giants. They would love to get Barkley going, would right. they not? And right. They drafted Evan Neal to go with Andrew Thomas. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, look at Dallas. You know, you still better be ready against Zeke and Pollard and all yep. those guys yep. because any NFL team, this is not breaking news, would love to run it. Sure. You know, if they can run it. They'll run it until you can't stop it anymore, or until you yep. stop it, right? Yep. So if you can't stop it, they're going to keep giving you that steady dose of ground game. So I think you do have to sort of gear up for that. But you're right. It's, quote, only six 
of 17 games that you face in the division, but they're so monumentally important because one win is like two wins in that tiebreaker possibilities and all of that. So I think it changes the identity of the of the division. Uh, you mentioned you know a few years ago in 2019, the AFC South had four running backs in the top 13. They had the leading rusher in Derrick Henry. The Texans had Carlos Hyde, 1,000-yard yeah. rusher. Right. Leonard Fournette was still in Jacksonville running for over 1,000. And Marlon Mack ran for over 1,000 yeah. in Indianapolis. That was just in 2019. That's three years ago. That's nothing. And then it completely shifts to, yes, now we're really a running division with Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry. Henry leading the way in 2020 with Taylor finishing third and then Henry finishing ninth last year, and he missed over half the season while Taylor led the league in rushing. This is running back you. you got to find a way to stop it, but it's not the only thing you're addressing, obviously, because, you know, they have quarterbacks that can kill you. Matt Ryan is highly accurate. This is a top-ten passer in the history of the league. Now, I don't think – no one's going to say he's a top 10 quarterback in the history of the league. In fact, at any time in his career, was Matt Ryan one of the top five quarterbacks in the league other than his MVP season, right? Mm. I, yeah, I don't probably think, yeah. not. You know, yeah. probably you're making a case for seventh, sixth, maybe, maybe scratch it at the top five, but he's still a good quarterback. And on that team, even though if you look at the Wentz numbers for the last five years, Johnny, and the Ryan numbers, they're remarkably similar. In the last five years, Wentz had the down year two years ago in yep. Philly his last year there. But when you look at the totals, I totaled them up, touchdowns and picks. But Ryan's completion percentage is like three or four points higher. And yep. that's saying something in this league over the course of a long haul. And Matt Ryan, I, I don't want to you know, beat this to death, but in some sense it, it kind of needs to be, is – uh, he's not going to make the left-handed flip interception that's going to cost you seven points. Right. Like you, you could argue that the division was lost when the Colts have a lead against Tennessee, mm-hmm. and Wentz is back there doing what Wentz does, and he throws an interception and ends up going for a touchdown, and the game changed, and then the Titans uh, end up winning that game. I think in overtime. Uh, they win that game, and that's really what kind of separated it in the division because yeah. if if you flip that, that's one result. If the Colts had the division on the line down in Jacksonville, there's a part of me that thinks maybe they don't blow it at that point, but uh, you know who's to say? That, mm-hmm. that team was kind of a, a wreck and a mess um, at that point. But I thought about this. The other thing I thought about as it pertains to running games, we were talking about it. In 2018, I think it's sort of fascinating, and it happened in a season – I don't know that we're ever going to get back to this, but in 2018, the Patriots were actually struggling in 2018. They were offensively; it was just not it was not where it needed to be. But they had gotten a bye because Nick Foles went 90 yards on us at the end, and mm-hmm. we could we ended up as the three seed. The Patriots ended up getting the two seed because we couldn't close the door on Philadelphia in particular. So in that bye week. Belichick and the Patriots decide we're going to take advantage of the one inefficiency essentially around football right now, and that is teams can't stop the run. So they took it to the Chargers. They decided to go 21 personnel, and they put Devlin a fullback, and they pounded. They just pounded and pounded. Think of that AFC Championship game. They pounded and pounded and pounded and pounded. They got against the Rams – they didn't do it as much because the Rams' run defense was really good, and obviously Donald makes a, makes a big difference. So it didn't come to fruition as much in that game, but 
It was a 13 to 3 Super Bowl. It was a 13 to 3 Super Bowl. I don't think that it ever flips back. But I got to think there are teams, and maybe the Titans are one team, and the Ravens are another one. Maybe it's the Texans. I don't know. Maybe the run becomes such a huge part of this. I don't know. That the identity is pounding the rock and taking advantage of inefficiencies defensively that are there because teams know that they've got to play nickel and big nickel and dime as they take on the Bills and the Chiefs and all those kind of teams because of how well they throw the football. But is there going to be a team that takes advantage of that inefficiency right. at some point like the Patriots did kind of in 2018? Now, they did it just in the playoffs. I don't know how that would have gone for the entire year. But I feel like there's going to be a team at some point that goes completely the other direction and just says, you know what, we're going to keep two fullbacks on hand. We're not going to have eight receivers. We're going to keep four receivers. And those guys are all going to block. And, and maybe going not all the way to the – Ravens philosophy and what the Ravens end up doing, but they go in that direction and, and maybe it's Philadelphia. Maybe Philadelphia is that team that with Jalen Hurts they feel like the quarterback run game is solid. Miles Sanders is good. They've drafted on the offensive line. They're pound teams in the NFC East. That's what they're going to do. I don't know if there's a team that kind of flips the script going back the other way that says yeah, we're going to take advantage of all these teams that want to play 7-on-7 uh, seven football. We're going to ram it down their throat. It worked for Belichick. But maybe that was that one-off that always works for Belichick. Their game plan offense, right? Look yeah. what they did to the Bills in the windy conditions in Western New York last year, right? Yeah. Those things happen with Belichick because he's such a great game planner. But to your point, look, as you apply this to the Texans of 2022, they're not going to be a run-first team necessarily, but they want to run. Right. And they'll try to be less predictable. But Pep Hamilton knows you got to run the football yes. in this league to be successful, particularly yes. with a relatively young quarterback. And relatively, I mean, he's in year two, making his 12th start on opening day. But who did the Texans add? Let's see. They added George Warhop to coach the O-line, yep. right? And we could talk about who's a good O-line coach, who's not a good O-line coach in this league. All I know is this. Jacksonville last year had a banged-up James Robinson, yep. and they ran for over 100 a game. They were something like 22nd in the league running the football with George Warhop's offensive line coaching. Yep. Now, it wasn't the only factor, obviously, but they had a rookie quarterback. And give me the Texans at 22 in the league instead of 32, and now I'm getting some things done. I'll just give you the numbers from last year. The Texans, 83 yards per game and change running the ball, last in the league. Jacksonville, 103, all right? That's 20 yards more per game. You think that might come in handy yeah. over the course of 17 games, 20 yards more per game average? Jeez. I think so. So Warhop's line enabled the Jaguars, who were not a good football team, to run it that much better than the Texans did with a, you know, the same schedule virtually, right? Yeah. Yep. I'm signing up for George Warhop and what he can do for this offensive line. Yep. Do the Texans... With this offensive line, they have one of the Jags players already in A.J. Can. Yep. With this offensive line, do they have more talent than the Jags had last year across their five-man front? Yeah, I think so. Okay, good. So that's a good start right there. And now you have Davis Mills at quarterback and some people who have played together a little bit before. Yep. You have Laramie Tunsil. I mean, let's go. Yeah. Let's see if the Texans can make some progress here. I like this a lot. Look, I love. we all love James Campen. Didn't yep. work out here. Right. I'm not going to blame it all on him, but it just didn't work. Right. you got to run the ball better than 32nd in the league. Yep. And, again, not all his fault. It's various factors, whatever. Running backs obviously get involved. But sign me up for some at least a 10-point 
uh, ten place jump in the rushing stats. Heck yeah! And now you're really improving your football team. Okay, so let me ask you this. Okay. Which one do you think is more important to going to getting to eight, nine, ten wins? I mean, mm. I, and I know people will hear that like, well, you know, the time. I'm just saying, let's say that things go right for us this year. Guys stay healthy. Things are clicking a little bit. You can get to eight, nine, ten wins. What gets you to eight, nine, ten wins? Leading the league in rushing or leading the league in takeaways? Oof. Well, I think takeaways, leading the league in takeaways yeah. is huge. Yeah. I mean, it would be you'd be hard pressed to not win eight or nine in a seventeen game schedule if you led the league in takeaways. Yeah. That's a lot of teams. That's thirty two teams and a lot of good ones, and you're gonna lead the league in takeaways. Now But you're leading the league in rushing. Now you're above the Colts, you're above the Titans, you're yeah, above the Ravens. That's really you're leading the league in rushing. Let me see. Who is the worst team? All right. Well, let me give you some number. I'll give you some more numbers. Okay. Not to bog you down with numbers, but everybody. What does it really numbers. mean to lead the league in rushing? Well, the Eagles led the league in rushing last year and got to the playoffs. That was a and team got that to the had playoffs. No business going anywhere and got to the playoffs. I don't have Hertz's numbers in front of me, but I know he factored into that running That's game. That's a good the point. The Colts were second with Taylor leading the way, but then you have Ravens missed the playoffs, Browns missed the playoffs, Titans certainly made the playoffs, mm-hmm. and then everybody else after that until you get to Seattle outside of the top 10 or maybe right at 10th uh, made the playoffs. So, But it's interesting how teams number three and four did not make the postseason three and four in rushing the football last yeah. year. I like the takeaways. And as people are listening to me talk about the Jaguars, they're probably eye-rolling. Vandermeer, the Jags had a worse record than the Texans. Yes, the Jags also gave up more points than the Texans. Right. Think about that for a moment. This is a team that got blown out five times, Houston. Yep. And the Jags gave up more points than the Texans. But their defensive yardage numbers are better. But Houston got takeaways. Houston took better care of the football and all of that. So you run the ball that much better, take better care of it, all right, or take good care of it. Mills gets a little bit better. Okay, what do we got here? And if you can maintain your top third in the league status in takeaways that you had last year, now you're looking at a chance, Johnny, to, to win eight, nine, whatever. I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, getting the ball back for your offense, you know, hopefully at that point you're getting the ball back for your offense. I mean, think about it. The Texans were – where they ranked last year in takeaways? Top, you said top third? Yeah, top, top third. third okay, like so they're a... top third in the league in takeaways uh-huh. and ran for 90 yards a game, not even. Not 83. Even, 83 yards a yeah. game. Yeah. I mean, if you – I just – being able to run the ball opens up so much more. And it, it, it it's the – the point I brought up earlier flipped around. Can the Texans run the ball against these defenses now in the AFC South? Run the ball against Jeffrey Simmons and the Titans. Uh, Zach Cunningham, we know, can stop the run. We know how good he is at linebacker uh, for the Titans. You've got the Colts. The Colts have been very good. But if Darius Leonard, who had back surgery, if Leonard is not in there, that changes a lot of things, I think, for the Colts. The Colts are always going to be style that front four. The, those guys up front are are – Tremendous. But if Leonard's not there, Okereke was very good last year. I mean, Leonard gets all the, the, the pub, but Okereke had 120-plus tackles, I think, last year. Mm-hmm. And I don't think those were inflated. I don't know that he was tremendous, but those numbers are pretty good. And then you got the Jags, you know, with Josh Allen. How good are they going to be against the run? They added two uh Two guys on that defense, Tremont Walker and then Devin Lloyd at linebacker, and then they added another linebacker, Chad Muma. That defense is going to get better and better. 
not that the Texans need to run it like the Colts and the Titans because that's the identity of that team. But, man, if they can, like you said, if they could just 10, 10 spots, would, 10 spots, 32-22, and stay top third in takeaways. And get that much better in passing. Well, you will be you with will that be. kind of ground game. Right. If your ground game just gets 10 spots, mm-hmm. then your passing game, there's no – Look, I mean, are, are you going to turn it to the, the Bills and the Chiefs? Eh, probably not. No. But if you can find some balance in what you're doing and really put teams on their heels a little bit, that's just going to open things up across the middle uh, for Nico. That's where Nico makes a lot of his money. Play action, dig routes. That's where he really, you know, deep over routes. He really can make his money in there. But those things don't open up if they're not respecting your run. Man, the Colts are going to be interesting because they improved the defense. We've talked about Gilmore and Gawkway, all of that stuff. Yeah. And then everything on offense with Matt Ryan and Jonathan Taylor having led the league in rushing. And they were ninth in scoring D last year. They were already ninth yeah. in scoring def- defense. The Titans were sixth. So Oof. you're dealing with two teams atop the division that play some D. So you got to do some damage against them. And it's we all know it's not like line up on first down and now we will run the football. No, they're going to loosen it up. They're going to have to throw them out of a run-heavy defense. They're going to have to figure out some ways to move the ball through the air. Of course they are, uh, but you have to improve on the ground. This is obvious. To to that point, so those two were top nine in the league in scoring defense, right? Yeah. Yep. So in Tennessee, mm-hmm. in that, in the rainstorm, we had one drive for a touchdown. The other one, Tyrod uh, got it after uh, Chester Rogers. The ball hit his foot. Yeah. So it was like on a short field. Didn't score another touchdown the rest of that day. Didn't score a touchdown against the Colts in two games. Yeah. And for the first half against the Titans, didn't have, didn't, didn't right. do anything. Right. So for eight, 12, 14 quarters, they had a short field touchdown, and then they had a they had a touch one one drive for a touchdown. Ouch. I mean, that ain't going to cut it. But then all of a sudden, the second half, it unleashed a little bit. Yeah. And and that's really where it's it's got to get to. And I'm not saying you're going to score 20, what we scored second half, 25. You're not going to score 25. But I think they started to show, hey, look, you can do some things against these defenses in your division. But, man, they have, we really have got to get out of the shoots fast against the Colts, especially with the way the Colts shut this offense down the last the last year. They didn't shut it down in 2020. 21, they shut it completely, completely down. And that's got to change week one. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because you have to see improvement at so many different positions. Come on, they won four games last year. But it's all about Mills. We're going to be – let me rephrase that. So much of it is about Mills. Yes, that's a a better way of saying it, yes. A better way of saying it. I mean, if if he can take it up another notch or two and – Get better as the year goes on. Well, you have a chance to win more games. Yep. You have a chance to uh, to do what we're talking about, and that's flirt with – there's no 500, 8 or 9, 9 or 8, but flirt with that kind of range right. would be so wonderful. I think they have the kind of schedule where it's possible, but we all know they need to improve greatly to do it, and we'll all be here to watch. Here's what I want. Okay. Of course I want a Super Bowl. I get that. I'm, I mean, but I'm being reasonable. I want to be sitting here in December, mid-December, and it's Sunday night football. And I don't even know what game is coming up in Sunday night football. And they do the pregame show. And they show the four teams mm-hmm. that are leading division. I know. And they going. show the three wild cards. And then they have the teams that are in the hunt. Yeah, at least be in the hunt. 
be in the hunt. And not like, ri- just be on that screen. Right. That's what I want to see. And not just ridiculously. Because yes. so many teams were in the hunt until late <laughs> yeah, in the season. Exactly. Except for uh, a couple like the Jags, the Texans. Right. Yeah. Right. So you definitely want to be just in the hunt. Just be on the screen. Get your logo on that screen, darn it. That's the that's the ultimate goal. It's a goal for Roy Lopez. It's not it's the a, ultimate goal. Well, It's yeah. one of the goals. You're right. That's a good point. It is a goal that could lead to an ultimate goal. It's also a goal Roy Lopez and Danny Barrett both have. We'll hear from coach and player next with DP City right here on Texans All Access. City right here on Texans All Access. City right here on Texans All Access. City right here. Welcome back to the Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and hopefully good friend of the brilliant DP Sidhu. At least I I like to think I'm a friend of hers. She may not think that way about me, but I love her to death, and she is absolutely awesome when she sits down with players and, in this case, a coach. She had a player and a coach near the end of the offseason. She had the opportunity to talk to Roy Lopez and running backs coach Danny Barrett. So let's hear from Danny Barrett, the longest tenured Texan staff member. How about that? Longest tenured staff member. Talking coaching staff, other staff. Now, I believe on the medical staff, I think Roland's been here for a long time. Cap's been here for a long time. So I think those guys predate. But when you're talking coaching staff, players, Danny Barrett has been here the longest as the running backs coach for your Houston Texans. And you're about to hear why. He's one of the best guys you can interview. He's one of the funnest guys to talk to. Knows the game. Played the game. Played the CFL. Has a connection to George Warhop. I believe, I believe Danny Barrett was a quarterback at UC, Cincinnati, when George Warhop was there. So there's a connection there. Here's DP talking to the great Danny Barrett. It's the Deep Slant 101 presented by Xfinity. Joining me today, running backs coach Danny Barrett. Danny, off-season programs in the books. How do you think your guys did? What were your goals throughout these last few weeks? And and where do you think the group stands as a whole right now? Well, I thought it was a great off-season for us. Uh, we had some great additions to the room coming in with Marlon and Daray and the addition of uh, the young buck, and Damian Pierce. So coming into this off-season, we wanted to try to get that continuity and camaraderie you know, from the group, and I think we developed that. They get along well. They encourage one another. They compete with one another, trying to make them better each and every day. And we came out of it healthy, which is a blessing in which we always look forward to going into the summer break, that we left healthy, so let's come back fresh, ready to go. You mentioned Marlon Mack, big signing for your group this offseason. He's got some experience in the league. He's played at a high level, dealt with some injuries. How do you feel like he's sort of come in and transitioned with the group that you have? He's come in and done a good job. Uh, I thought coming in initially, you know, being the veteran that he that he is, he came in and kind of got a feel for everybody. They got a feel for him. And, and since that first week, you know, everything has been smooth sailing for him. And uh, I think he's gotten his confidence back to the level in which he was playing at prior to his injury. Uh, you can see the burst and, uh, and the speed that shows up, which he showed before prior to the injury. So we're looking forward to him coming back uh, in the fall and, and then making that room better. All right, Damian Pierce, I had a chance to interview him after the draft. I mean, he's got a personality. So what about for these rookies? What's the biggest goal for them going through the offseason program? And what's that learning curve like as, as you prepare them for camp? I think you've already mentioned as far as the learning curve. You know, they have to come in and learn a whole new 
really a way of life, you know, how to take care of their bodies, how to uh, learn from different type of uh, instruments, whether it be film, whether it be walkthroughs, and a lot of it's on their own. And uh, he's done a good job coming in and really just trying to learn, you know, what we want him to do on a daily basis. And now over the break, it's going to be vitally important for him, you know, to continue on that curve and come back feeling even more confident with the things that he's already uh, shown that he can do. It seems like this time of year is a lot about learning and teaching. And Pep Hamilton obviously was with the team last year. But as offensive coordinator, how much does it change what you have to do with the new OC in Pep? Well, it's really just being on the same page and, and really, you know, just being, uh, you know, in continuity with one another. You know, he wants to come in and do things a certain way. He's a very detailed coach, which is what we talk about all the time, and making sure the guys know the why and what we're doing. And uh, he's done a great job this offseason, you know, not only with the coaching staff, but in front of the players as well. Uh, I think, you know, leaving here, we all feel confident in the things that we'll be able to do. And now we're going to look forward to a little bit of a break and come back and let's compete and see what happens in the South Division. All right, let's talk about training camp because pads come on for your group. What excites you most about your running backs group as you guys head into camp? Well, again, it's with the pads. You know, we've had a chance to come out and really run with our shorts on and really feel good about things. And now you start putting the pads on. Now a little bit more contact. You know, can we really sustain, you know, what we've already accomplished, you know, through contact, hanging on to the football and being able to get those tough yardage. So that's what's going to be the key for us coming back. You know, it's going to be a mindset. You know, I've always believed that you have the right mindset each and every day, and I think this room that we have has that. I didn't even ask you about the fullbacks. Levy Smith says he really wants a fullback this year. How do you feel about that? Because it seems like fullbacks sort of come and go depending on the coaching scheme and the coaching staff, but you got a couple in your group right now. What do you think about the role of the fullback and how that's going to help the run game? Well, again, you're right as far as fullback coming to the fold. This is my first year in seven years having to coach fullbacks, you know, at this level. And it's good, you know, the guys that we have, Paul and then Andy and Troy has moved over as well. They're doing a good job. They're competing, helping one another. There's not a whole lot of reps, but so they have to really make them count. And so everything, they really have to be technician. And again, it's going to be a, a big training camp for those guys once the contact start being able to stay healthy and being able to run their feet through contact and uh, looking forward to that competition, how it pans out. All right, so a little bit of a break before camp. What's your advice to the guys? I know that you want them to disconnect a little bit from football but still stay in shape. What are your parting words uh, to your guys before they leave? Uh, enjoy your time with your family and your loved ones now. Take a little bit of a break, but don't lose what you gain. You know, make sure you come back uh, ready to go from day one. Again, it's all going to be about a mindset. And when we come back, it's going to be strictly business. And that's what I tell them, strictly business. So we have an opportunity to get back on top of the South, which where we, where we belong and which where we want to be. All right, Danny, thank you so much for the time and enjoy your break as well. I will. Thank you. I know the biggest thing on Danny Barrett's agenda during his break is just getting those knees healthy and getting him ready for the season. I saw today, and it made me actually think about Coach Barrett, uh, because he had surgery on, on both knees, and he's coming back from that slowly, but surely he's getting there. And those people that have knee replacement surgery, my dad had that. It's just grueling. And I can't imagine what that's like to stand on a sideline day after day after day after day after you've had that happen. Well, I saw today where UAB head coach Bill Clark, who is one of the best coaches there is in the country, is actually stepping down and retiring 
because he apparently has a back issue that is so bad that it really pains him to stand up for as long as coaches have got to stand up. And I thought about Coach Barrett and the pain he must have been going through getting that done. But kudos to him. And he's got he's got a whale of a time trying to sift through these running backs, trying to get it right for the 2022 season. But he does a really nice job once they kind of get in a groove, once they find the right guys, and hopefully they have found the right ball carriers. And then Danny Barrett can sift those carries out uh, with the help of O.C. Pep Hamilton. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, and it's not a coach, but a player Roy Lopez. Now, Mark and I will have an interview with Roy later this offseason, so probably, I don't know, the next couple weeks or so uh, before training camp. And we had an opportunity to sit down with Roy, and we went, we had a chance to go a little bit longer with him, so we dove into a number of different things. But DP did a little deep slant with Roy Lopez, and it was fun, as you would expect. Roy, you're out here. It's mini camp. I mean, how does it feel to be in year two? I assume it's very, very different from what this was like for you last year as a rookie. Yeah, it's awesome. I feel good. Uh, the team feels good. We're kind of just, you know, molding together and being able to grow. We got a lot of new guys on D-line, so just kind of, you know, trying to pick each other's brain and keep growing with each other and try to be the best. So It is an interesting group because you got a lot of guys that were here last year, and then you got new guys that have a lot of experience, like Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison. What's the dynamic like in your D-line group? It seems like you guys are still having a lot of fun out there. No, yeah, we got a good mixture of the young guys and vets. So the, we're very fortunate to have the vets we have because they mold real well with our room, how it was already. And uh, they bring experience and knowledge and, and some you know fun and flavor to our room. So very thankful to be able to play with Mario and Jerry and, and Rasheem, you know, so it's just uh, it's awesome to see all the new guys come in and just right away be able to be treated like family. So. All right, rookie year, you had a great year, but you look a little bit thinner to me. I mean, if I can say that in the nicest way possible. What's been your workout routine? Have, have you slimmed down a little bit? Yes. The goal is just to be, you know, bigger, faster, stronger, you know. So in, you know, kinda, in the off season, we sat down, me, Lad, and Mike, our nutritionist, our strength coach, and uh, we just went to work. You know, we started from, you know, square one, and uh, we, we, we built from there. And we came out every day, we worked, and we changed our eating habits and kind of just made sure we got our vegetables, our proteins, our carbs in, and, and everything like that. But the goal is just to be, you know, the best shape I can be in play more snaps and be more impactful for the team and uh we're, we're not done you know so we're just we're You're just still working solid. on it yeah, can i ask how much you've lost or what's what is there like a goal or a range <laughs> it was really just fat percentage we just want to okay. lose a lot of fat i lost i think 10 15 pounds but um, a lot of it was fat you know so I, I got rid of bad weight so that that was the main purpose you know just to look better feel better every day have a better day you know so yep how, what how does this figure in your d-line dinner that you were going to cook for everybody. I mean, I feel like are you cooking healthier now? No, yeah. Sometimes you got to have your meals. You know, you got to have your cheat meals for sure. I'm, I'm People say like one a week, uh, I might get two a week, you know. So, but no, it's definitely, I still I have fun fun with everything I do, you know, and the food, everything. I don't, I don't, I don't mind eating bad every now and then, you know. I just want to make sure that you know, this, this, this sport, this game, this team is my priority. So anything I can do for myself to help the team um, is, is the biggest thing, so. All right, Lovey Smith talked about OTAs and minicamp. He said this is sort of a period for individual growth and getting better. What have you learned about yourself, and, and where do you feel like you've really grown in these last few weeks? I feel like I've grown, you know, just as a leader, being able to bring in guys in my position that were that were younger than me. You know, I was I was the young guy last year, so now I'm sitting here older than the guys now, and it's just like, you know, full circle. You know, I learned from the vets and uh, being able to pass their knowledge down, you know, from, from the past vets we had last year and just uh, being able to grow that way 
lead by example and, and stuff like that, being able to study more film and know exactly what I'm learning, the plays I'm learning. And uh, that way when I see it on the film, everything's just faster. You know, so I think that's the biggest thing is I've grown a lot in the classroom, you know, taking care of my body, but really just a lot in the classroom and, and learning the game, starting fresh and learning the game. So. so when training camp starts and the pads come on, do you, you know, how do you build on what you've learned here? What are some goals that you have for yourself to get better as, as training camp sort of amps things up a little bit more? Right. You know, we have a three technique by the name of Lee Collins. You know, he's a dude's a monster. So he's a freak. Everybody knows him. Um, I just want to be able to help him. I want to be able to help the ends around me and, uh, you know, just kind of thrive together. That's that's my main goal is for our D-line to be one of the most dominant, if not the most dominant in the NFL. Um, that's our goal, to literally be the best in the league. So, um, you know, when you're around guys, I mean, Lee Collins, Jonathan Grenard, Rasheem, Oboe, Jerry, Mario, you know, our D-line, Ross, you know, it's, it's, we got some depth to our D-line. So we're excited. So when you ask me what I want to do, I just want to, I want to play my part. You know, I want to, I want to make sure that our D-line as a whole is talked about and, and appreciated for how much work we put in. And, and we're excited. We're hungry. And we just can't wait. So I'm excited to see this, too. I, I can't wait as well. All right, you got a little bit of time off. So the plan is to unplug from football but yet stay in shape for camp. How about for yourself? What do you plan to do these next few weeks before camp starts? Right, I got a like pull-up surgery next week, so that's exciting. I'd be able to clean up my nose. Besides that, that'll be like a week week off. But really, just see my family, spend time with them, um, be be out there in Arizona with my dad's team, and uh, I'll train with them. You know, get some reps in with them, be able to spit <laughs> some knowledge to them. But um, you know, I love doing that. I love seeing my family, but then also be able to go train and and, and really work with high school kids. You know, and, and so that man, also Malik Collins will be out in Arizona, so we're gonna get some work in too. So. Uh, he's, he's, he's been begging me to go out there and train with him, but we'll see. Out in Arizona, we've traded Houston Heat for Arizona Heat, but I yeah. like it. He likes the boxing, so so we're going to throw some hands and, and, and move our feet. So get in shape because uh, we plan to, to, to play like some cheetahs, some wild dogs. Right. Yeah. So a little bit of boxing out in Arizona mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, yeah, some work, some sweat. All right, some sweat and work. Roy, always a pleasure. Best of luck. Can't wait to see you out in here. Thank camp. you. Appreciate you. I think about Roy a lot because this point last year – I was actually making a trek towards Los Angeles, and I went through Las Cruces, New Mexico State, where Roy played the majority of his college career, and then I ended up finding my way to Tucson, where I stayed the night before driving the rest of the way to L.A. the next day, where Roy played the rest of his college career in 2020, the COVID year. I think he only ended up with four or five games that year after transferring from New Mexico State, but the thought was New Mexico State wasn't going to play in 2020. So he decided to go back to his home state in Arizona and uh, go ahead and play that one year. Didn't get a lot in, but the Texans, and I talked to Nick Casario about this, area scouts were on top of it when he moved from New Mexico State. They knew exactly where he was going. They kept tabs on him, and thank God they did because Roy Lopez has been a godsend for this defense and will continue to do so. All right, we're going to go around the league and finish up on a Friday edition of Texans All Access. All Access. All Access. We got one final segment of this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans radio studio. I'm John Harris, your host. Let's bounce around the NFL and maybe, well, I don't know, not really the NFL. How about just football in general? I think the biggest news that came down football-wise on Thursday and on Friday, too, and kind of bleeding into Friday, is the news about the nephew of Peyton and Eli Manning, the son of Cooper Manning, Arch Manning, arguably the number one quarterback in the country, plays at Isidore Newman 
high school in New Orleans, Louisiana, like his father did, like his two uncles did. He's been a starting quarterback there for four years, and he decided on Thursday that he would attend the University of Texas. Now, there was a lot of hand-wringing over the last, oh, I don't know, couple months-ish about Texas A&M recruiting and Longhorns were coming after Aggies about celebrating a February-March championship or whatever as it pertained to recruiting. And then yesterday, Arch commits, and our Longhorns are like, yeah, recruiting, man, yeah, recruiting, we're doing it. Eh, you know, I said to Mark afterwards, you know, just celebrate your own. It's cool. You don't have to go back at anybody else. You, you really don't. And congratulations to Longhorns. That is a really big commitment. Now, a couple of things. One, it is June. There is an opportunity for Arch to decide to not sign. He's only committed. My guess is that he'll honor the commitment. That just strikes me as something that would be pretty solid in the Manning family. He is going to the University of Texas. Already there, Quinn Ewers, the quarterback from South Lake Carroll, who reclassified up into the class of 21 so he could take an NIL deal as he went to the, I guess, uh, do I have to say the Ohio State University? Well, I'm going to. The Ohio State University. So Ewers transferred back to Texas, was there in the spring. Malik Murphy, one of the top quarterbacks in the class of 2022, coming out of J. Sarah High School in L.A., he is a true freshman on campus at University of Texas. And Arch Manning will arrive, I would imagine, January. But he's got one more season of high school football. That is Roy Newman. It's a backlog of quarterbacks for the University of Texas. And it's, quite frankly, I'll be honest. When AM and Texas are good at the same time, college football is fantastic in this state. It's fantastic in this city. And Texas hasn't held up its end of the bargain. The last couple of years. AM was really good in 2020, fell off a little bit in 2021, but the recruiting has really kept them uh, forefront of college football fans' minds. Of course, Jimbo v. Nick Saban. This, I felt like, was really good for the University of Texas. Whether Arch Manning ends up being a player or not, honestly, Malik Murphy could end up being a guy. And they all got to beat out Quinn Ewers, so we'll see what ends up happening. But University of Texas gets a massive recruit. And who knows, of those three quarterbacks, which one, two, or maybe even three end up playing in the NFL down the road. So there you have it. It's a Friday show. We'll be back on Monday with more for you right here on Texas All Access. Appreciate Mark being here. Big thanks to Roy Lopez, Danny Barrett, D.P. Sidhu, all of you for listening. Thank you so much. We'll see you on Monday. And as always, go Texans.